You can take your copy of Scripture and turn to Isaiah chapter number 9. That's where we've been. This is the final week of our series on the name. And we've looked at the four specific names of Jesus here. Think back over the years, and we've got some young ones here today that are looking forward to Christmas, but those of us who've had a a lot more Christmases, what's what's the best gift you ever got on Christmas morning? Anybody want to tell me what it was? Think of all the gifts. What was the best you ever got? What's that? Too many, too many. That's for sure. You know, I, I think for me, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a mobile home in rural South Georgia. My parents didn't didn't have a lot. And uh, one year, my I wanted a dirt bike, and my sister wanted a go kart, and that was something that um, Santa Claus would have a very difficult time delivering to my house. And I remember waking up, and and we got that, and there was a little note on it that said, "We're sorry, this is a." Santa could do is used, but we didn't care. And looking back now as an adult, by far to me, that was the most special Christmas because I knew the sacrifice that it took for us to have that. Throughout Scripture, we see so many different names of Jesus, and really all of them are presents. The best presence of Jesus, presence of Christmas is the presence of Jesus in our life. And the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before he ever came, prophesied that God was going to send the very best gifts ever given, multiple gifts wrapped up in one life. Pastor Blake reminded us that contextually here in Isaiah, it was a time of trouble, a time of turmoil. There was witchcraft, there was hatred, there was animosity. Sounds a whole lot like the world we live in today. All of those very things, maybe even on steroids today. But I want us to be encouraged this morning by the ancient promise that Isaiah gave of a coming prince of priests, peace who has now come. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. If you're physically able, why don't you stand and let's honor the reading of God's Word. It's long before Jesus was born. Keep that in mind. For a child is born to us. You notice he says that in the present tense as if it's already happened. When God says something, it's as good as if it's already happened. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. Wouldn't that be awesome? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment... The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And living on this side of Bethlehem, we know that's already happened. And part of that scripture has yet to come true when he'll put his feet back in Jerusalem and rule and reign there. Lord Jesus, would you please add your blessing to the reading of your word. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So Christmas is so much more than just a baby in a manger. You know, Julie and I went, yes, if you've never been to see three chapels, Christmas Spectacular, Spectacular doesn't do it justice. I used to, we used to go to Concord and my, fr- my brother James Dollar, and you were a part of that, put on amazing Christmas productions. But we got to Free Chapel at 2.12 for the 3 o'clock production, and it was slap full. There was no way to even get in the building, barely found a parking place. So we went back at 4.30 for the 6 o'clock performance. Why would you do that? Because it is amazing. It is, they, they do everything first class over there. And to see the story of Christmas as told through the, through the viewpoint of Joseph, the father of Jesus, that carpenter. It was spectacular. A giant camel, sheep, the whole nine yards. You'll have a chance to go tonight at 6. But I tell you, you better get there about 4.30 if you want to see it. When you've heard something your whole life, it can become stale. 
We need to look for ways to make the Scripture afresh and anew in our life. And this afternoon, we're taking our little grandson to Stone Mountain Park for Christmas. Praise the Lord. The rain's supposed to be gone. We can enjoy that. If you've never been to Stone Mountain at Christmas, they do it right. If you ride the train, they tell the story of the real reason for the season of Jesus. And you get to a point where there's a stable and a manger and the whole nine yards. Christmas is so much more than a baby in a manger. Wrapped up in that baby were God's perfect Christmas gifts. So several weeks ago, Pastor Blake kicked off the series and he reminded us that he is our perfect counselor, our wonderful counselor. We live in a messed up world, do we not? And people will offer advice and opinions all around. But wonderful, in the original language, that word wonderful means exceptional. Without peer, without equal, he would be the most exceptional counselor. Why? Because Jesus is God's personal expression of himself. John says, it's the word made flesh who came and dwelt among us. You ever have somebody give you bad advice? You know, they meant well, but they gave you advice and it just didn't turn out good. I, I, secular count. I thank God for counselors. I'm not knocking counselors. You know, Alex is studying, studying psychology to counsel people. But you better be careful who you listen to. You better be careful. You need to know that the person who's giving you counsel has the Holy Spirit of God living inside of their life. Are you saying secular counselors are bad? I'm just saying they can't help it. If they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them, they can't guide you to all truth. In a crisis, in an emergency, secular counseling can be a band-aid to get you through something. But you want wise biblical counsel married to all of the degrees and the studies they have. You know, some of you know our daughter has went through a horrible seven years and she's still in counseling for PTSD. And I, we've never met her a counselor, but she's a Christian. She counsels highly from the Word of God as in the, the, the tried and true taught methods that she's learned for dealing with PTSD. So I'm not knocking counseling, but I'm saying be careful where you get your counsel from. I also tell you one of the most dangerous places you can go is a Christian bookstore. I don't know if there's any Christian bookstores left, but you better be discerning even in a Christian bookstore. First thing I do when somebody gives me a book or pick up a book, I turn to the back and I see who wrote it and where they went to school and what they know to know that I'm getting wise counsel. You always get the best counseling from the Word of God. He is our wise counselor. Christmas is a joyous time, but it's also a sad time. Christmas is one of the hard times of years for people who are separated from their family, who are having your first Christmas without loved ones. I mean, my grandmother, Sean, and our grandmother, she was, she was the queen of our family. She held our family together. She kept us all going back to Court Hill as long as Mama was alive. And I remember vividly living on Lakeshore Drive in Winter Robins. When she died, I looked at my wife and I said, our lives will never be the same without Mama. She was the queen of Christmas that kept everybody coming back. So it's been all those years long. I still think about that. I still think about Christmas's past. And so I'm thankful for those. And I want to rejoice and not just be sad. Yeah, I'm sad and I miss it. But thank God she knew the Lord. She was feisty, but she knew the Lord. And we'll see her again one day. I've heard about couples who go on a cruise every Christmas because they don't want to be with her family and they don't want to be with his family. How sad is that? Not everybody has what Sean and I had growing up, a loving family. Then there's the struggle and the pressure of kids asking for things that we know we can't afford. And we're tempted to go into debt and pay for it later. All that to say, God sent us the perfect counselor and his name is Jesus. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So trouble always happens when somebody says, now listen, I know what the Bible says, but 
You better back up in case lightning strikes. There ain't no but to it. I know what the Bible says. You better go with the best counsel you can get. God gave us the perfect counselor. Pastor Blake also reminded us that God gave us the perfect power. God gave us the perfect power in the mighty God. Again, the original language there indicates power. People are searching for power to overcome addictions, to overcome bitterness, to overcome strongholds, to overcome all these things. And that power is available and has a name. And his name is Jesus. He is the chain breaker who breaks down the barriers in our life that keep us from the joy that we can have in him. There's no greater power. Romans 8, that we just recently went through verse by verse, says in all these things, whatever you face, we are more than conquerors. There's no greater power than that. And then last week, Pastor Roger so eloquently reminded us that he's our everlasting father. My daddy's in heaven. I miss my daddy. Now listen, if my daddy had died when he had a heart attack at 45, my daddy would not be in heaven. If he was here alive to tell you, he'd have told you that. He did not know the Lord and God had mercy on my dad and God gave him longer that later on in his life, my stepmother first and then my daddy came to know the Lord. So now I have the assurance I'll see him. You know, I wish I could call him. I wish I could ask him questions, but I can't. And for many of us in this room, our parents are in eternity. And, and we miss them, maybe m- more so at Christmas than any other time. But when our earthly fathers are not here, or our earthly fathers don't know the Lord, our earthly fathers are absentee, we've got the perfect one. Psalm 68 and verse 5 says, He's a father to the fatherless, defender of the widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God's been there for me when my parents could not be there for me. Before our children were born, and I was a young knuckleheaded youth pastor, I would preach messages like, here are ten surefire God ways to raise, ten sure ways to raise godly kids. And then God made me a daddy. And then I said, here's what the Bible says. Let's pray and trust the Lord and do the best that we can. There are no guarantees. There's no perfect father. I've heard sweet Miss Alice talk about the man who raised her, not her biological daddy, but her stepdad. You talked about him again Wednesday night. Always blesses our heart, but he wasn't perfect. No daddy is perfect. But our everlasting Father is perfect. Pastor Roger reminded us of that. And then today, we finally, I'm getting there, we're getting there. He gave us the perfect Prince of Peace. In a day and age when anxiety is off the charts, more people are medicated than ever before, do you lay awake at night and worry? Does anxiety consume you? Let's go back to Bethlehem. Luke chapter 9, chapter 2, verse 9. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. We might say they had some serious anxiety right there. Verse 10. Then the angel said to him, do not be afraid. That's one of 365 occasions in Scripture where we're told not to be afraid, one for every day of the year. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. He says all people, not just some, not just a few select people, to all people. For there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. People are looking for peace in their marriage. People are looking for peace in their homes. People are looking for peace on the, on the job. Our country today, we have some of the best medical and psychological institutions ever in the history of the world, right? But yet... There are more people in anxiety and turmoil than ever before. Why is that? I think because so many times we look for the answers in the wrong places. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? Listen, God, ta- God corrected my wrong thinking years ago. When, he, when, I, when I was taught and I used to parrot back, 
You just need to suck it up and trust the Lord more. You know, if you, if you say you're depressed, hey, the answer's in the Bible. The answer is in the Bible. But God will let me go through depression for a short season. I couldn't tell anybody that. I was in the ministry. Well, I, could, I couldn't tell my wife that. But it got to me. And I remember being at the beach, which is my happy place. Y'all know that about me. And I looked out at that ocean. And listen, there was no reason. Things were going great. We were in a great church. There was no reason for depression whatsoever. But when I looked out at the ocean and thought, if I could drown myself and make it look like an accident, I would. That scared me. And I thought, so on the way home, our kids came back early because for school or whatever. And Julie's driving. I said, I need to tell you something. She said, what? I said, I'm depressed. She's driving. She said, I live with you. I know something's wrong with you. I knew Jesus was the Prince of Peace. I knew the promises of God's Word, but I was depressed. I said, I'll talk to the doctor about it when I go. He was a believer, Tim Lucian. As God is my witness, when I confessed it to my wife, it lifted. It was gone. I thank God for that. You know why? Because it corrected my wrong thinking. It made me sympathetic to other people, including my daughter, who would start to have anxiety, panic attacks, anorexia, and all that stuff. And I would have said, suck it up and trust the Lord. I could have lost my daughter through that. So yes, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but I don't hear what I'm... There comes a time when you ought to go to the doctor and let them help you. And my doctor fussed at me. He said, why did you go through that by yourself, Mike? I could have helped you. I say, first you look to the Lord... First, you look to the scriptures. Is there any unconfessed sin in your life? And for me, I checked all those boxes. He said, you know, most adults will go through a season of some kind of chemical imbalance in their life. I don't understand all that. But I'll tell you this, if it ever happens to me again, I'll go to the doctor and I'll get help. But first, you check your relationship with the Lord. People are looking for peace in all the wrong places. A bottle, a pill, and a cheap thrill. And they come up devastated. They come up empty. Because there is no peace in any of that stuff. That's only a band-aid. Peace is not the absence of trouble. The Bible says life is short and full of trouble. So peace isn't the absence of trouble, but peace is what? It's the presence of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. When Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is in your life, you can have peace even in the midst of the storm. This peace means to be in harmony with God, to be bound, joined, and woven together with God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Even if there's no peace in your home, if there's no peace in your world, I'm telling you, He will give you the peace that passes all understanding when you're sure of your relationship with Him. That's where it starts. You better check your heart and make sure you know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Then you say, was there any, any junk in my life, any unconfessed sin in my life? You get that right. That, that's a good reason to have a lack of peace in your life. It's self-inflicted on us many times. But this supernatural peace only comes from receiving the gift of Jesus. Most of the time we reject that because we want to do our own way. I know what the Bible says, but number one, write this down. Jesus gives peace because your past can be forgiven. Jesus gives peace because your past can be forgiven. I don't know about you. You've known me long enough to know there's junk in my past that I'm not proud of. I just assume be able to erase that. I'm ashamed of stuff in my past. But that's why Jesus was born. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Luke 2.11 says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born. We needed forgiveness. None of us are good all the time. We do our best. We try, but we fail every day. There is no human remedy for sin. 
There's no doctor that can give you a pill or a shot to take away sin. There's no human remedy for sin. So what do we do? We turn to the Savior, the Prince of Peace, who came to take away the sins of my past. Hebrews 10.22 says, For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. But we receive that blood. I can have peace in my life because my past is forgiven. Number two, Jesus gives peace because your present can be fulfilled. Jesus gives peace because your present right now can be fulfilling. The message is a paraphrase of Scripture. It's not a translation. But every now and then I just like to look at the message and see how they word it. John chapter 10 and verse 10 in the message paraphrase says this. I came so they can have real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. You may see no way out in your situation. You may see no hope. You think, man, everybody, everybody else may be able to get through their problems, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. If God can send his sinless son from heaven to earth to live a perfect life for 33 years, to hang naked on a cross between two thieves, and to allow him to be laid in a borrowed tomb and resurrect himself three days later, you trying to tell me your situation's too big for God to handle? Absolutely not. Your present can be fulfilling. When people who claim to be Christians... I've said this before. I've told somebody this last week, the most meanest, most hateful, wicked people I've ever known in my life. And listen, I've met some wicked people. I did a funeral one time of a young lady that was saved in our church out of Satanism and witchcraft. You never seen so many pentagrams in a church in, in my life as was in our church. Kids dressed in black with their pentagrams. But they were some of the nicest young people I've ever met. They were respectful. They were polite. The meanest people I've ever met in my life are some people who claim to be believers. How how does that happen? I said they claim to be. You don't want to get around me if I'm out of fellowship with God. I can choose not to walk in the Spirit, and I'm a jerk. You don't want to be around me. We can all choose that. So some of the meanest people I've ever known, but the most amazing people I've ever known, bar none, are Spirit-filled believers who love Jesus, and they just exude the Prince of Peace in their life. So whatever you're going through right now, he, He wants your present to be fulfilling. Your past can be forgiven. Your present can be fulfilling. You can have peace in the midst of the storm. We saw in Romans 8, 28, whatever you're going through, good, the bad, the ugly, He's working it all out together for our good and His glory. And I might not be able to see it on this side of eternity. I might not know until I get to heaven, but I cling to that promise and I trust Him that He is in control and anything that comes into my life has been filtered through the hands of God and He allows that for my good and His glory. That's right now. Our present can be fulfilling. Number three, Jesus gives peace because your future can be fantastic. Fantastic is just not even a good word. It was an F. It alliterated. But I mean, how do you describe the future that we have in heaven with the Lord? The scripture says not the half has been told about heaven. There's so much, we talked about this, I think, Wednesday night in our adult Bible study. So much about heaven that we don't understand. And yes, we have questions. You know, we have all these questions about heaven. But I told them Wednesday, the bottom line for me, is I'm curious, but none of that matters because Jesus will be there. That's all that matters to me is the one who was born in that manger and died for Mike Dura's sins. It's my sins that put him on that cross. Jesus will be there. He gives us peace because our future can be fantastic. People are freaked out about the future. We live in difficult times and difficult days. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know why. If I read my Bible aright, America, I don't see America in Bible prophecy. I don't know why that is. Are we not going to exist as a nation? Are we just going to be irrelevant on the world scene? I don't know. I don't have 
to know the future because I know the one who holds the future. I know enough to know because Jesus was born on Christmas. He died on Good Friday. He resurrected on Easter. I know the best is yet to come. Not because of who I am, not because of what I've done. Ephesians 4, 4 says, you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Romans 6, 23 reminds us we're all messed up people. We're all sinners. We talked about our past being forgiven. The wages of sin is death. But, but the gift, the gift is given at Christmas. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's forgiveness, there's fulfillment, and there's a fantastic future for all who turn from our sins and turn to Jesus. So many people are afraid to talk about the future because they're afraid of dying. They're afraid of death. You know, some of you know I had a little procedure done this week and, um, you know, wait to hear those results and, and I'm told it's, there's, there's a one out of four chance it's not good news. I said, well, praise God, there's a three out of four chance it's great news. And that's what we're trusting in and leaning on. And, but, you know, because of the holidays and all that stuff, and he, the doctor doesn't give news like that on the phone. He says, I want to see you eyeball to eyeball. We, so we got to wait till January the 4th. Somebody said, you need a different doctor. That's inhumane. Listen, whether he tells me tomorrow or he tells me January the 4th, whatever, God's got this. I don't have any. You say, well, preacher, what if you get bad news and you die? For me to die is gain. What if you get good news? For me to live is Christ. What if you got to go through treatments and suffer? For I reckon the sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us, Romans 8 says. So I can't lose. I don't, I'm not worried. I don't fret. Now, I'm human. You know, every now and then the devil will throw just a little quick thought. Our Uncle John, who recently died, this is how his journey started. I'm like, nope, devil, I ain't going there. I'm not Uncle John. We're all different people. God's in control. God called us to plant a church and to plant more churches. And our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Inside these gifts that God gave us, he says you can know, 1 John 5, 13, you can know that you have eternal life. If our greatest need had been education, God would just send us a teacher. And a lot of people say, Jesus, well, I believe he was a great teacher. I don't believe he's the son of God. He's not a great teacher if he's not the son of God because he claimed to be the son of God. Then he'd be a liar, a lunatic. If our greatest need had been economic, God would have sent us a banker or an investment person. If our greatest need had been health, God would have sent us a doctor. Well, he did. Jesus is the great physician. If our greatest need was a house, he'd have sent us a builder. Jesus knows something about building. Joseph raised him in a carpenter shop. He's preparing a home for us in heaven. But our greatest need was forgiveness, and there's no human remedy for our sin. It's important what you believe. It's important the theology that you cling to. The ancient promise of Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 4 14, it was an incomprehensible prophecy. Nobody, you like, that, that, that's impossible to happen. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son. That, that's biologically an impossibility. That can never happen if you leave God out of the equation. A virgin named Mary, she did bear a son, and his name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Are you, have you ever received that gift of salvation? I was raised by a sweet lady like a second mama. Her name was Rosalie Talbert. Rosalie was up in years because she raised... You remember Rosalie Sean or not? If you remember or not? Okay, I'm a little bit old. I'm 10 years older than Sean. Rosalie, she was like a second... She actually raised my mother and her siblings, Sean's mom, out on the family farm. Then she raised me. We loved Rosalie. You know, life happens. You grow up. You go off to college and all that. So one Christmas I was home and me and mama said, we're going to go visit Rosalie and take her a present. You know, shame on us. It had been years since we'd seen Rosalie. I think it was just a pair of slippers. It wasn't a big deal. It was just to go visit her. And she lived in poverty, y'all. 
Went to see Rosalie. We gave her the present. She was so excited to see us. She said, oh, Susan, I can't believe it. I got so big. I remember her saying that. My mama just said, yes, I have, but I'm happy. You know? She just told it like it was. But she said, I'm not going to open that present. I'm going to put it on my bed until everybody, my children, brought it to me. She didn't want to open. She was so proud. We came just to bring her a little. But I wanted her to open it and see. It was a little disappointing. If you give somebody a gift, you want them to open it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You have to, God's not going to force that on you like some people today try to teach he will. He's not going to force, you got to choose. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You got to open the door and invite him in and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a savior. I received the gift of salvation. I received the gift of forgiveness for my past. Give me a future right now that's fulfilling and give me that, give me a, a present that's fulfilling and a future that is fantastic and secure in you. Because really a gift is worthless unless you open it. God's offered the greatest gift of all times. Billions of people around planet Earth are celebrating Christmas. And the vast majority of them have no idea what it is. I remember hearing a story, and I might have shared it with you all before. I don't know. When you're old, you forget stuff. But a family was downtown shopping, and they, there was a manger scene in, in, in a window, a storefront window. And the dad looked at mom and said, look at that. Christians are always trying to horn in on every holiday. Just didn't have a clue. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You know, if you could think of the bit, what, what could you do? If I'm the devil, I'm in hell with my demons, we're in conference. What could we do to take the attention off Jesus? And I'm going to be careful because we've got children in the room, but the devil came up with some stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong, but there's so many distractions. We forget what the real reason for Christmas was. When our children were growing up, my wife always baked a cake. They decorated that birthday cake for Jesus, and we sang happy birthday to Jesus. Even my little almost three-year-old grandson, we gave him a nativity play set and a book on the nativity. And our daughter-in-law sent us a picture, of, a video of him kind of reading it and telling it. She said, what did the wise men bring to Jesus? He said, presents. You know, so even a child can understand this. Why it's too young to understand salvation. But little children understand we're sinners. We need a Savior. That's why we have children's ministry. We want to plant the Word of God. Jesus said in John 14, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. One of the great gifts of Christmas is peace of mind and heart from the Prince of Peace. The peace I give you is a gift the world can't give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I think it was maybe the Gaithers who used to sing, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. The peace that I have is supernatural. I wish I could describe it to you, but the Bible calls it the peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense. You mean somebody tells you there's a one out of four chance you could have a horrible disease and you got peace? That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm, you, you, you mean you're telling me you got all this dead and you, I'm telling you, I got peace. Doesn't come from me. The world didn't give it to me and, and the world can't take it away. Too many professing believers are gripped in fear. And you know, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what are the gifts he gives us? Power, love, and a sound mind. So I'm about you. The devil can't see my brain. He knows what my weaknesses are because he's watched my life. But I talk out loud to the devil. When that fear comes on, devil, you got to get off of me. I'm a child of God, and this fear is from the pit of hell, not from God. I command you in the name of Jesus, get off me. God gives me power, love, and a sound mind. And I receive those gifts, and I reject the accusations of the devil. This peace is offered to whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Are you struggling this morning with your past? 
Is there stuff in your past that hangs over your head you wish didn't happen? You don't have to live in the past anymore. Jesus' blood has taken care of that. Have you received and unwrapped that gift of peace? Maybe there's a time in your life you did and you understood the deliverance that He provides and the peace that He gives, but circumstances. Stuff's come into your life. You've been stressed and you're not walking in peace. While Christmas should be the most peaceful time of year, it's also a very stressful time of year. Many suicides happen at this time of year. We receive that gift that only Jesus gives. Only Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Is there any situation in your life right now that's robbing you from that peace that passes all understanding? Let's give that to the Lord this morning. Would you pray with me?